0: Hehehehe <laughs> and this is of course our uh, final show of the week. We're uh, commemorating using tomorrow to commemorate Remembrance Day. So uh, our gang will return here Monday morning and I was delighted this morning to kick the show off with uh, the follow-up to the news. I announced of course that uh, my show uh, will end on Friday the 24th of November and the brand new Evan Bray show will start Monday, the 27th of November. So, uh, the long-awaited news, uh, who would succeed in this chair? It'll be Evan Bray, former chief Regina Police Service, and that is so good. I'm looking forward to it. Now, in, in a weird constellation, and this is one of these funny, uh, how many degrees of separation is there not? Uh, police chief retires, Evan Bray, Gormley retires. Well, police chief, who knows Evan Bray and knows Gormley, also retiring, Saskatoon's police chief, Troy Cooper, in studio. Hey, good to have you here.
1: Great to to be here this morning, John.
0: Uh, And by the way, congratulations. I mean, this is the first time you and I have chatted since uh, the news that uh, you will be done uh, mid-January.
1: That's right, yeah. Uh, Why now? You know, I think the timing is really important for us because we have a lot of big processes that go on that require input from my position. And one of them is the um, community engagement for our next strategic plan, and that's going to start early in 2024. So I thought it was most appropriate to have the new person, someone who's going to be there for three to five years at least, um, do that engagement here directly from the community, uh, rather than have me do that work and then turn it over to somebody else.
0: And it's none of our business, of course, and if it's not my business, just don't answer it. But of course, you had a health scare a while ago, too, so was that a bit of a a wake up as
1: well? Oh, absolutely. So I knew, you know, I'm uh, at the tail end of a career, I'm, I'm in my 37th year and of course yeah. it had a health scare and sort of caused you to reevaluate timing about when you should leave and and how much time to spend with family and doing your own things rather than in public service so that absolutely played a role in it for sure.
0: Yeah. You're a young guy though. Look, what's the plan? <laughs> you're, you're much younger than me. That's, of course, uh, they can wheel yeah. me off into the sunset. You've got lots of gas yeah. in the tank. Perspective,
1: yeah. <laughs> you know, young compared to some people. I'm I'm be turning 58 this year. Okay. So uh, in policing terms, uh, you know, with 37 years service, that's an awful long time to be yeah. in the industry um, many people retiring after 25 and 30 years. So i I think I've pushed that, uh, to its limits and, uh, and really great career. Really happy to have, have spent that much time in policing. So Saskatchewan will still be home, obviously. Yes, absolutely. Saskatoon's yeah. my home and, uh, my wife works here. My family, I have family here. Uh, so we're not, we're not looking at uprooting or moving anywhere. Um, but, uh, but just maybe a little bit more time with family.
0: Troy Cooper, Saskatoon's police chief, on his regular monthly stop here. So in this month of November, we were chatting recently with Dean Ray, who is the acting chief in Regina, with Evan Bray having left. Uh, Brand new chief announced in Regina just a couple of days ago. uh, Farouk Sheikh, who has been the chief of the sheriff's service in Alberta, a former with Calgary Police Service uh, from the UK originally, with the Met in London and with West Midlands. Um, I know you don't know chief shake other than by reputation, but you and I were talking before the show and I think it doesn't hurt to bring listeners into this. The background in criminology that increasingly with chiefs, uh, you sort of look at part of that in the strategic planning cycle, part of how you anticipate police planning what's the role of criminology as a science
1: so you know I I have an undergrad in criminology and I noticed that chief shake has a master's degree in criminology and and what what you learn from that education I guess is to focus on causes of offending and and some of the factors that contribute to offending and so it allows you as a police service not to just respond so to do some planning around prevention some planning with partners that might have more of an influence than say just policing and so I suspect that uh, chief shake will be able to evaluate the crime trends and issues that he sees in Regina and use that, uh, that education and his experience in developing plans that are going to be most effective in reducing crime.
0: Police Chief Troy Cooper, with us. Uh, One issue that's been getting a fair bit of discussion: the RCMP published numbers recently on uh, officer injuries as a result of different encounters, uh, often during arrests and encounters with the public. Is that becoming a concern for police departments around the country?
1: There's a you know a real concern locally, I guess, for two two reasons. One is that there's more weapons present in the community as people we see more mental health issues more vulnerable population, people living rough, uh, they tend to, to have weapons with them for their own self-preservation. And so there's the presence of weapons, which changes how we respond and changes the risk factors for policing who who, who are interacting with them. Um, mental health and addictions as well. So it really influences our ability to de-escalate a situation. If somebody is in psychosis and they're violent, uh, oftentimes officers don't have the ability to to talk them down, to you know, to reason with them. And so we're seeing in Saskatoon um, about a 20% increase in officers being assaulted over the last five years.
0: Okay. So is that a gradual ramping up? I mean, are you seeing every year more than the year before?
1: Uh, no, it's not a gradual ramping up. I think we see it in ebbs and and, hmm. and flows. Like there's um, about 100 to 110 uh, assaults per year on officers. Um, five years ago, that might've been 80. Right. Um, and you know the, those are assaults so that could be someone spitting on an officer or biting an officer um but some of them are serious enough that the officer is, is uh has to take time away from work to recover and so we have about a third of them uh, that i would classify as you know significant officer injuries and and so we give them the best tools we can and the best training around de-escalation uh, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's a job that has some risks associated to it.
0: But, but police work's tough enough that, you know, when you start to see direct officer assaults, does that start to affect things like morale?
1: Well, it does. And I th- what it really affects is the, the amount of resources required for policing. So if you know someone is psych- in psychosis and they have a weapon, uh, you have to approach that very carefully. It takes more time. It takes more resources. And we are a busy police service, as most are. And to, to be, to have to take the extra time, take the extra resources pulls away, uh, from other calls and it just makes it a busier atmosphere and environment for, for officers to be working in. And when you're stretched to capacity all the time, that absolutely affects morale.
0: Police Chief Troy Cooper with us. We're doing the Saskatoon update. Now, the other thing about the chief, when he's here, uh, every single month we look at the trend lines, we look at the crime stats, we look at some of the uh, crime prevention, public safety initiatives. On crime stats generally, as we start to uh, get very close to the end of 2023, what's this year looked like?
1: Yeah, so, of course, the, the later in the year we go, the more accurate these stats are as describing trends and patterns. But uh, what we're seeing so far this year in Saskatoon is that violent crimes are up but, but slightly. Uh, generally, it's the uh, common assaults that are increasing um, in terms of violent defending. And, you know, that can be really impactful because about a third of the common assaults or the minor assaults that we see happening happen in public. So in a, in a shopping mall, and a parking lot, um, those sorts of things. And it impacts the, you know, when they're visible, it impacts the feeling of safety and uh, for people in the community.
0: Now, are they random too? Or sometimes, because again, I think in a weird way, we take comfort when we know, you know, the victim and the uh, person accosting them are known to one another. The entirely random ones, I would argue, are the ones that really upset the
1: public. They do. Absolutely. And that's usually associated to psychosis, people who are using drugs and addicted. And um, it's rare to have a random uh, violent uh, uh, incident. But but when it does happen it's it 's so impactful. you know the numbers are small, but it, the impact is huge and uh, and we do see an increasing number of people with mental health issues in the community. I think our uh, calls for mental health went up about eleven percent last year and and the The public nature of these assaults is also associated to mental health and addictions areas areas that are challenged by those mm. sorts of issues anyway so um, in Saskatoon, that looks like the downtown business district, the Riversdale business district, and the Confederation Park business district. So these are areas where there's open uh, spaces, pedestrian traffic, um, social services provided to people. And so they develop sense of community there, and we see more offending, like common assaults um, and, and disturbances.
0: And homeless shelters, I guess in the case both of downtown and the Confed area. Right, yes so where does those so where does that go into a crime prevention piece? I mean, if we know uh, and the homeless shelters i we're going to talk about this is a huge challenge, but you know if there's going to be violence around them what's the answer from an enforcement or a public a crime prevention point of
1: view yeah so you know when we when we are brought into those discussions and we are um, about locations for example, where they might want to be placed in the, in the community, uh, we know that the smaller the service that's provided the the less impact it'll have on the community so if you had say, a shelter where there was 30 beds, uh, that might be manageable if it's staffed appropriately, but 100 beds, that means 100 people are showing up there every day and a bigger community is being developed around it. And so we try to influence it. The, the smaller, the better. Um, the more of them that there are, the better. Because if you don't have capacity that, uh, to meet the needs of the community, then you end up in this overflow um, situation where you have people sleeping in foyers and Sleeping up against the building and, and that sort of thing. And and staff can't help those folks if they're not in the building. And so we end up uh, getting more and more calls, more and more uh, low level crime in and around that neighborhood.
0: Police Chief Troy Cooper will return to more of the crime stats. Uh, all Anytime the police chief's here, it's an opportunity for you at 877 332 8255. Shoot your question along on that text number. Or if you want to join us on the listener line, give us a call. This is 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. I'm John warmly our regular monthly checkup on all things Policing, public safety, crime prevention in the Saskatoon focus. Troy Cooper, the chief of the SPS, with us in studio. And, of course, to reiterate his announcement a couple of weeks ago, he will be retiring as of mid-January, and the Saskatoon Board of Police Commissioners will then be looking for a successor. Uh, Chief Cooper, with us in studio. So, violent crimes up, mainly on the common assault front, you were reporting?
1: Right. So, it's... It's up, but it's you know in raw data it's really not up very high. So it's uh, we're we're seeing a, a bigger increase actually in property crime than we are in violent crime in Saskatoon. Um, property crime, some areas of it, interestingly, are going down. Uh, break-in enters to residences, for example, we've seen a real decrease this year. Uh, but those related to addictions and mental health, um, break-ins to sheds, shoplifting um, has gone up exponentially actually. And, and again,
0: uh, in the areas where the homeless shelters that's, are,
1: that's right. Yeah. And...
0: You know, how many people, if you look at the really high needs individuals, um, addicted, as a result, homeless, uh, often as a result, mentally ill, how big a cohort of people are we looking at?
1: You know, there's several hundred people in Saskatoon that we deal with routinely. And, and, you know, they would spend, um, you know, 20, 30, 40 days a year in our detention centers. and, And we're actually doing a study right now. Um, of our what we call frequent flyers, people who are committing either low-level offenses or no offenses, just being publicly intoxicated and spending evenings with us. And, uh, and so we're finding some really interesting stuff there, um, including the fact that people who have addictions related to alcohol are often housed uh, or have an option for housing. People with addictions to drugs uh, are often don't have options for housing simply because they're um, disruptive and mm-hmm. very difficult to, uh, to place in a shelter.
0: Is part of this, I know the province has now sort of the higher needs beds for some of these people, but if you keep going along that curve of treatment, is some of this moving the needle on, for example, mental health warrants that can now be obtained, but usually it's only in a case where somebody may be a danger by virtue of mental health to themselves or someone else, could the law look at moving that over to addictions, psychosis, these sorts of things.
1: Well, there's a, a 15 bed facility announced by the government where um, it's it's like detention for people who are publicly intoxicated. They follow the same legislation that authorizes them to keep someone for 24 hours, uh, but it's it's going to be um, resourced and by healthcare workers, mm. and so there's a potential there for more of an assessment of people, and and perhaps um, you know maybe a link to mental health care. Right now, the bar is pretty high to keep somebody in, in the mental health facility while they get treatment. And so, unfortunately, a lot of the people who are suffering from drug-induced psychosis, there you know, might not be a harm to themselves or others. Um, we haven't been super successful in keeping them in, in hospital care, and so they tend to get treatment in community, and, and they're visible. Uh, sometimes they're disruptive, and, and, and many times they end up with us.
0: And you're only able to hold them then for 24 hours?
1: That's right. So uh, the legislation allows someone who can't care for themselves to c- to be kept in police custody for t- up, to, up to 24 hours and released when they're sober.
0: Is there a legal argument then that that could be extended at some point? I mean, if the legislation was passed, would it pass, for example, constitutional muster, you know, that you could hold somebody for two, three, four
1: days? I think that's, you know, that's certainly a discussion that's taking place. I know it's taking place in Alberta right now. Uh, the potential for someone to be held longer than 24 hours if they needed care, um, if they were evaluated to need care longer than what's currently legislated. Uh, but right now, uh, there is no authority for us to keep someone um, for longer than that unless we can um, you know, arrest them under a mental health act and take them up to the hospital and, uh, for assessment.
0: Uh, on the same issue you were mentioning some of the neighborhoods affected uh the so-called emergency wellness center in fairhaven where does that rest now from a policing point of view
1: so they have had some changes i guess um, since they've been there uh, just about a year now 10 months i suppose Uh, when they first opened uh, they were they had a certain amount of beds that they were funded for and so uh, we started to assess the impact on the community then Um, over the course of the winter they found that they had to increase the amount of people that they were servicing because uh, there was nowhere else for them to be. And so, in the in the depths of the winter, they had people sleeping in the foyer, people um, attending for services. They just didn't have room for. And when they stopped doing that, it shifted crime trends and patterns um, for our dispatched officers around in the community. It was disrupt. It, it disrupted people uh, where they were getting services from. Um, they've since reduced the amount of people that they're providing services for, and we're seeing those people now looking for other resources and, and finding other places to, to access them. So it's been a moving target to see exactly uh, where we need to place our resources, uh, but certainly there's been an impact both in Fairhaven where the wellness center is and the Confederation Shopping Center, which is adjacent to the, to the center.
0: And any sense that's going to improve?
1: Yeah, I believe it will. We've seen um, uh, if you think about um, the the crime trends that, that were occurring in, say, the Pleasant Hill neighborhood, where there were some services provided last year, uh, when the wellness center opened and people um, moved uh, to that area of town, we saw a decrease in, in assaults, for example, decrease in some types of crime in Pleasant Hill area and an increase uh, in Confederation area, for example. So depending on where um, services are, we will see some changes in crime and um, and, and you know not all, not everything's a crime like the disturbances or for example or suspicious persons encampments and that kind of thing will we'll move around the city
0: Chief it's been great uh, and this will be our last chat um, but I hope all the best for you and of course as you start to uh, transition into the new stage of life uh, this has been great thank you so much
1: well it's been my pleasure John
0: Chief Troy Cooper dropping by as he has every month. Through his tenure as Saskatoon's police chief, uh, he's done in mid-January. I'm John Gormley. This is 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. Out. <laughs> they both were on Saturday Night Live yesterday. <laughs> That's the couple on Instagram, kind of gone viral. So he took a glass cup and said, The Taylor Swift jar. Any mention of T. Swift, you must pay 25 cents. It's the couple in Maryland, and he's now included Travis Kelsey in that. His wife, who's a realtor, won't stop talking about Taylor Swift, whether it's concerts, whether it's music, whether it's Chiefs games. And that glass is actually getting quite full. Maryland wife must pay fine every time she mentions T-Swift. Okay, so uh, lots of stuff on the go today. This is one of these days where, uh, gosh, just the overlap of stories uh, is extraordinary. Uh, let's go to Brian Lilly, who is reporting, and I thought this is uh, quite remarkable, the scenario that, and it's still rumored, Mark Carney sooner rather than later, is going to enter the House of Commons as a liberal MP. Mark Carney, of course, governor of the Bank of England, uh, the Bank of Canada. And who would forget? And Carney's an interesting cat. He looks great. Uh, Bank of England governor. And that's one of the most prestigious jobs on earth. He's a Canadian. He'd been the governor of the Bank of Canada. He loves Marxism. His book in 2021, Building a Better World for All, essentially argues that Western society is rotten and capitalism has brought us climate change, uh, the climate emergency that he claims. And as the special envoy in the U.N. on climate change in the economy, um, he was one of the first people talking about the Great Reset. And the Green New Deal and the idea that you would come out of the pandemic and you would restructure Western society. Uh, one writer has said while he draws his inspiration from Marx, Lenin and Engels. The Mark Carney view differs from Marxism in a couple of respects. First, you don't expropriate the private sector. Remember, we were actually talking about it an hour ago. I mean, you you, know, you take away the means of production from the bourgeoisie. You don't do that in Mark Carney world. You make them a partner in reshaping society. So government moves into partner with capitalism and the private sector. Secondly, you don't make a promise to make the lives of ordinary people better you argue that you're going to make them worse. <laughs> because if you don't do X, Y, Z under the Mark Carney model, you will be dying in flames as the world immolates, uh, in climate. Uh, things will be falling apart. It's just kind of a weird, uh, and those people who read, um, building a better world for all, uh, just thought that Mark Carney stuff was really, really light. And you know sure he 's a brilliant economist, but the Mark Carney the Liberals seem to be very enthused about uh, is an interesting guy indeed so here 's the story: one of the safest seats in Canada is Ottawa Vanier, and it 's riding the old city of Vanier, which has been incorporated inside Ottawa, just on the other side of the river. Uh, Vanier, I can't remember certain, I don't think in my lifetime, has ever elected a conservative. Uh, Even in the Mulroney sweep in 84, Ottawa Vanier stayed liberal. So Mona Forche is the MP there now, Minister of Supply and Services. Forche was, in fact, she was the minister for a brief time. Do you remember of the middle class and people working to be in the middle class and everybody kept saying what an odd portfolio justin trudeau soon jettisoned it but uh, Forte has been around since 2015. so brian Lilly, with the sun papers is reporting uh people who are pushing carney have convinced Mona Forte to step down so the plan would be forte steps down liberals call a quick nomination quick election mark carney is parachuted in he becomes the honorable member for Vanier, maybe goes into the cabinet, and then Canadians are under the spell of the incredible Mark Carney, who will save the Liberals by calling an election, will become the prime minister of all Canada, will succeed Justin Trudeau, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what uh, Brian Lilly's reporting. Now, Lilly says, let me get this straight. When Michael Ignatieff got himself a seat, He pushed out a black woman to get a safe liberal seat. Carney now pushes out a Francophone woman, both white guys who are seen as the savior of the liberals. But again, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but it's getting some talk among the chattering classes in Ottawa. Well, you want to know what got a little talk yesterday? The prime minister and some people said he sounded a bit loopy. I'll leave you be the judge of that. Pierre Polyev yesterday went really hard on the prime minister. And I want you to hear the response. And it's a very political response, but it's a Justin Trudeau getting ready to go to war if an election is held with Pierre Polyev, the conservative leader. Here, have a listen. Mr. Speaker, the Prime Minister only divides to distract. That's all he ever does when he gets into trouble. He divides people along every possible battle line. He did that with the carbon tax car vote for only some in a region where his support is plummeting and his caucus is revolting. And for 10 days, he refused to condemn the comments of his own liberal minister who said this a policy was applying based on how people voted. And now he signs on with the separatists to divide. Canadians again. Willie, instead of dividing Canadians,
1: reverse the policies that are driving them to the food bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Right Honourable Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, we
2: see the Conservatives' approach uh, to partisan politics and to personal attacks. The reality is when we stood with the 80 to 90 percent of Canadians uh, who chose to get vaccinated, they called us divisive. When we chose to stand uh, with uh, women across this country who want to control their own bodies, they called us divisive. When we stood
0: Hamlet, really, a whole bunch of stuff. I get, like? he's sort of not acting prime ministerial, but uh, always watch, because when the liberals are in trouble, uh, women's reproductive rights slash abortion comes up in the first two. At uh, that time, it was number two. Uh, he went to vaccines, then abortion rights. So it's, uh, but it's a Justin Trudeau who was sounding, again, there's one thing about being combative and political, and there's another was sounding a bit loopy. And I sort of thought he got a bit loopy there. Um, you know, the other night, and this, this is a prime minister. Um, he told reporters yesterday on parliament Hill and he started well enough. And in fairness to the prime minister, uh, he talked about Canadians are scared in our streets right now. And he was talking about the wave of antisemitism that's emerging after the October 7th terrorist Hamas attacks on Israel. And he actually talks about, uh, we're seeing a rise in anti-Semitism that is terrifying. Molotov cocktails thrown at synagogues, threats of violence targeting Jewish businesses, uh, Jewish daycares targeted with hate. This needs to stop. This is not who we are as a Canadian. This is not acceptable. Good. And then you wish he would stop. And then he keeps going and always does the deflection. So the questions we're talking about are Jewish-owned restaurants where mobs are trying to cancel and harass diners, uh, Molotov cocktails being thrown. He pauses and says, expressions of hate against Muslims, against Palestinians, against people waving a Palestinian flag. This is unacceptable. This is not who we are. If Canada can't figure this out, what corner of the world will figure this out? So he starts with anti-Semitism And then he has to keep grabbing and pivoting to Islamophobia. And it appears in a weird way of moral uh, similarity or moral equation, anti-Semitism and Islamophobia are always the two sides of the coin, and the coin is flipped always the same way. So when I heard him, first come out strongly against anti-Semitism, I thought, good. Now, come out against Islamophobia when you've got concerns about Islamophobia. But right now, the climate of these mobs attacking Jewish businesses, synagogues, I'm sorry, I'm not seeing much Islamophobia. I'm seeing good Canadians pushing back against these flag-waving thugs, telling them to remember where they are. They're in Canada. Stop it. All right. Anything you want to chat about, we've got a lot of stuff on the go today. It's 877-332-8255. Top of the hour. I'm really looking forward to meeting Julia Drydick. Uh, She heads up a group called the Canadian Center to End Human Trafficking. And if you haven't followed the human trafficking story, you remember we had that terrible case in Saskatchewan. It's still before the courts. Uh, We'll update you on that. But human trafficking that goes on even in small communities in Saskatchewan. We'll talk with her. Hang on. So Mark Carney has attracted the interests of one of our listeners. And yes, for good reason. Mark Carney, if you want to do talk about a global elite, Mark Carney is among the strongest proponents of a globalized system where capitalism doesn't work, Business doesn't work. You need Mark Carney (laughs) as your government. Oh, spare us. Who wants to talk about this? Kevin in Regina next on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. John Gormley, uh, there was a bit of chuckling on the conservative side of the uh, House of Commons. Pierre Polyev quote, it's almost tragic and heartbreaking to see these two squabbling this way. Uh, Jagmeet Singh and Justin Trudeau went at it yesterday. (laughs) Singh was going on about uh, how could the Liberals justify voting against his plan for affordability, because he wants the GST removed on all home heating everywhere. Um, Even the conservatives said that's not going to work. I mean, the GST on top of the carbon tax, sure, get rid of that, but you don't eliminate the GST on different select products. But uh, so Jagmeet Singh went, it was with confusion and consternation I noted the way. uh, And he was going on and on. Um, And then uh, Mr. Trudeau fires back, and it was very funny. So the two of them were having, uh, as Polyev mentions, a squabble on the floor of the House of Commons. So it's. theater and you know that uh so it's if the rumors that our friend lily is reporting that mark carney is getting ready uh a seat will soon come open within days ottawa vanier safest liberal seat anywhere carney will parachute in get elected and will be in the house of Commons shortly this is the beginning of the next chapter for a successor to mr trudeau kevin and regina The idea of Mark Carney playing a senior elected role in Canadian politics, what say you?
2: Well, it worked perfect. I wanted to call in this morning, uh, you know, on uh, Bugs Day, and let you know that you bug me because I like Perry. You know, feel like we have some unbus- unfinished business, and here you are taking off on us. And, and, <laughs> Sorry, and, and, yeah, it's okay, and and it leads right. I had a contractor come in, so I had to deal with that. And but it lead, when you brought up Carney, and I it just led perfectly right into into that bug, and you know, and that is 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 uh, it, you know, I'm of the mind that there possibly may not be some. Further elections in some places like Canada and, and the U.S. and stuff like that. I, I mean, uh, do I believe it hundred percent? No, but I can, I can contemplate it, right? And, and I'm of that mind, state. And you know, I always thought it was going to be Justin that was going to, you know, just carry on and, and get it put into into position, right? Uh, as 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 a, the the, the elite's man. And then you know, a while back, you actually brought up Mark, and I, you know, you mentioned all his all his. Uh, Attributes and his, uh, you know, his accolades, what, what what he's achieved, but you forgot about the fact he was on the board of WEF. Yeah, no,
0: and, and I I think I mean a world according to Mark Carney would not be the world we want to live in. Uh, no, let's be sure, real, frank on
2: capitalism. That. that
0: so so I think this is what, like so
2: you know when you've read the plan, right? Like like I I feel I have. So it's not that I think I'm right. I just I just tend to believe them where you don't. You know, right? You always use the excuse that they're just not that organized. But in fact, they are right. That's what we're learning very much. So right, and they're very organized uh, beyond our comprehension. Um, and and so 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 here's you know I'm I'm scared. What's going to happen now is is Mark's going to get put in place and anointed. You know um, they may not even have a leadership uh, convention. They might just anoint him, and, and it's it's part of the dot
0: you know pattern. Oh, for, Kevin, for the- I I don't disagree let's be clear. I don't disagree that Mark Carney will be the next liberal leader. He might actually be the next prime minister because of course if he bumps Trudeau off while well, Trudeau's still the, the the prime minister, the leader of the party in power, Carney will be the prime minister for a short time. Who's Carney will get his clock cleaned in a general election. So he'll be like Kim Campbell, he'll be like John Turner.
2: If- we get that election, John. But there will
0: be... When When was the last time Canada paused an election? I think we're dealing with... There were a couple of areas in World War hmm. II and maybe World War I. We're, Kevin, we're, I can't we're, we're, go so far as to say we aren't going to have elections. Okay, hang on here. You, you said a lot there. Hmm, World
2: War. Now, let's think. What's going on right now in the world here, okay? And, 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 and you know, John... Um, the, 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 there's the, the, the who treaty like again the, the bug gun about the, like Perry you're you're running you've you've dismissed a lot of things as they're just not that organized but yet all these dots that's that that plan and, and you see the picture you know they tell you they tell you it's a a picture of an ocean seafront and palm trees but yet you start to really notice it's the devil that you're drawing right and and, and it's all coming to fruition and the it's. It's time that we actually, you know,
0: call call this out for what it is. I get your concern, and I'm just not at a level, I'm not as amped up as you are on the fear of the World Economic Forum. I get you are, but I think the best way, and it's uh, to channel Kevin O'Leary, remember the Dragon's Den guy? Canada doesn't need an election, we need an exorcism. (laughs) The sooner this whole lot are gone, uh, the more you get back to first principles. Coming up, we're going to meet Julia Drydick, Canadian Center to End Human Trafficking, next on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME.